This is Pastor Flosser, and you're getting ready to listen to the preached Word of God taken directly from one of our services at Faith and Truth Assembly in Thomasville, Pennsylvania. We hope it is a blessing to you, and if you could take some time and just go over to the Contact Us tab on this website and send us a little message. Let us know if there's any questions we can answer, any prayer requests we can bring before the Lord on your behalf. We want to help you in any way we can. God bless you and enjoy the word. John 14, verse 1, Jesus saying, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Whither I go, you know, and the way. Somebody say the way. And the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye, sh- ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us, or it would satisfy us, you might say. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How, and how sayest thou then, Show us the Father. God bless you. You can be seated. This is, as I said earlier, a very favorite scripture, I'm sure, of many. A scripture of comfort. The disciples relying on Jesus, seeing face to face. How many of you have ever just been in a time where you felt like you needed comfort? You needed strength. You're going through a battle. And and maybe it crossed your mind. If I could just see Jesus like I'm seeing you right now. If I could just talk to him just face to face in person. Just just know that. And, and we we know that he is here. And we know that uh, that he hears us. And that there's no distance in our prayers at all. Amen. But yet there's some times that we want that. We desire that. We look forward to that face-to-face. Amen. Meeting one day with Jesus. Amen. And Jesus has been telling them, I'm going away. And he tells them that I'm going to prepare a place for you. I imagine as they are relying on him, the idea of saying, that later on in this chapter, he says, I'm with you, but I'm going to be in you. I imagine any kind of change, unfamiliarity, we're not really excited about that. Jesus is telling them it's going to be better. I'm going to be in you. My spirit is going to dwell in you, that spirit of truth, right? But still, you get used to a way. You get used to things and 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 the Lord tells them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. What I've got for you is good. In fact, can I say it's better 
better than what they had at that time. Better for them as well as better for us. I know I heard someone just recently was talking to me about heaven. Some things that they had questions about and and things that maybe we all think about. But that we all have to rely on God as our Father and as our God and recognize that He is God and He is good. And that the the future and how God's plan unfolds for us and even going on into eternity, so many things that I could ask. But I've got to just rest on the understanding that, God, you've got good intended for me. That whatever heaven is going to be, it's going to be so much better. Amen. I like the blessings of this life. I get homesick just like you. I get sick and tired of of this fallen world. And I get sick and tired of being just kind of susceptible to to sickness and weakness and and something inside of you and me both looks forward to that day but yet we're so familiar with this we don't want to let go of it we cry at the home going of our friends we 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 think we know we're going to see them and we don't grieve as other but but we we don't want to say goodbye but yet we know it's better for them and it's better for us too. Jesus is addressing this to the disciples, and I think he's addressing it to us today, that though the future is uncertain, God's got a plan to get us where we're going, and it's a good plan. And he's got a plan to take us home one day. He tells us, don't, let, don't be full of anxiety. Don't allow fear to rule in your hearts and in your minds. But he says, believe in me. Trust me. When was the last time somebody looked at you and said, trust me? And you felt good about it. (laughs) You know, uh, that salesman or or that that one that may be trying to make a deal that that you just, you're not comforted by the smile. But Jesus says, trust me. Believe in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't allow it to happen. It's going to be the temptation. It's going to be the battle. Oh, I didn't expect to spend so much time just on this first verse. But, but this is what God is telling us, that we can trust Him. We can trust Him with our battles. We can trust Him in the valley. And we can trust Him as those last moments of life, praise God, we can still trust Him. We talked about him being the the good shepherd. And we read in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I won't be troubled. I won't let my heart be troubled, neither will I let it be afraid. Because he is my shepherd. He is my God. Amen. Man is brings uncertainty, but God's in control. And God's way is a perfect way. God cares about you. I'll tell you, my only problem isn't with God. I just say, God, help me to keep following you. Help me to keep trusting you. Help me not to be stupid and somehow trust my own way above your way. Help me to listen, pay attention, and follow you all the way to the end. Praise the Lord. 
said, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about beyond this life. See, this, this life, we'll talk about this here in a little bit because he is the life. Eternal life starts now. You understand that? We get the Holy Ghost, but we get it as an earnest or a down payment of our inheritance. You've got an inheritance waiting for you. And you've got enough. It's kind of like when they came back from Egypt. I don't know if you remember this, but, but uh, they were telling Joseph's father, he's alive. And he's got a place prepared for us over there. The best of the best he's got waiting for us. How could, how could Joseph's father, how could Israel believe such a thing? They brought back gifts. They brought back proof of it. They brought back a little bit of the riches and the glories of, of uh, Joseph's household in that land and said, look, this is what he sent with us. That's what the Holy Ghost is. That's what the blessings of God are. What we experience today in services like we've been having is just a little taste of glory. It's God saying, hold on, I've got a place prepared for you. Here's a little taste of what you've got in store. Here's a little bit of, of can you imagine right now, you know, to, to think of everything we can get in the Holy Ghost. You know, we've, we even saw it the other night that uh, some of the brothers just, just uh, Brother Derek just worshiping God with all of his heart, just falling out under the power of God. Can you imagine? I don't think this frame could handle the glories that await us. We've got to be translated, resurrected into a new body. Just everything of the glory of God that we experience now, and that's just a down payment of it. I know a lot of people get hung up, and there's a lot of things we could talk about here about in my father's house are many mansions. I don't know if you've ever had anybody talk to you about mansions and what it's going to be like to have a mansion. And people get all excited about, man, I've got this little shack here in this world, but then that day I'm going to have, man, step aside Donald Trump, I'm going to have a luxury home in heaven, and I'm going to have a driveway that's going to be gold that will lead to that street of gold, and, and I'm like, you know, you're kind of missing it. It's not about getting rich finally. It's about the glory of God. People that love this world, they kind of, I've heard people that have said that they have died and have gone to heaven and and you hear their testimonies and they're saying oh the best of artwork is there and the best of music is there and the best and it's all sensual it's all carnal everything that they're saying you don't hear anybody saying oh the glory of the presence of God and oh the just the love and the peace of God and oh the to be with Jesus a lot of these stories it's just like all the stuff I got all the riches and all the wealth and you see where their hearts are, right? But Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying that where I am, there you may be also. You know, I don't think there's a lot of people in this world that are excited about, I get to live with Jesus. But Jesus is saying, where I am, that's where you're going to be. That's what I'm excited about. I'm making a place for you to dwell so that we can be together. I believe, without a doubt, we can turn to the book of Revelation. And some of the last lines 
uh, the last chapters uh, of, of the book of Revelation. There, there's a line there that you'll hear me comment on uh, so often that, that to me it's just the heart and the mind of God. It, it's that joy that was set before him we talk about in Hebrews. That it says the tabernacle of the Lord is with man now. That I get to live, not in a tent somewhere in the middle, in behind a curtain, but I can finally dwell in my holiness among the holy people and let all those that are going to be filthy, let them be filthy still. They're pitched into a lake of fire. Because God says, I want it all out of my way, and I just want to enjoy the company of you throughout eternity. I want the fellowship. He loves us. Can we get that? He loves us and wants us to be in heaven so much that he would die on a cross for us to be there. People say, oh, why does it have to be this? And why, uh, why is it so serious? Do you see the kind of love? The love of God is not something that we take lightly. That is like, oh, he loves us so he, you know, we can do anything we want. That's not love. And that's not God. But don't throw out the concept of love, because the love of God is so amazing that it overcame hell with a cross so you could be saved from sin and get it out of your way, the way so he could live with you and you could live with him for eternity, forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. He said, I go to way to prepare, praise God, in my father's house are many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you. And I don't know if he could see the questions kind of happening on their faces. But he says to them, you know the way. You know the way. It's like almost the identical thing later when he said, you know the Father. You know the way. I've been here all along. You know the Father. I've been here all along. You see the invisible God by looking at the image of the invisible God. He was dwelling in the flesh, God with us. Thomas answers and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. And Jesus responds with one of these great I am's that we've been looking at and says, I am the way. Let's just take that part of his statement right now. We're going to go on because that's not the end of it. He goes on and says, I'm the truth. And the life. Amen. This is one of those statements that is kind of circular. You could use that I am three times. I am the truth. I am the life. Amen. But let's just take I am the way for just a moment here. So important in this day that we live in. Probably one of the most controversial things that you can say to somebody is, that there is a right way. Your way. People say, oh, it's your way or the highway. Well, it's God's way, and it's a narrow highway. And if you're not on that narrow way, you're on the broad way. Praise the Lord. I heard somebody telling me, this is a sad, sad story, but I had somebody telling me at their job, they are really just pushing and pushing a, uh, you know, be accepting, be kind, we want people to come in here, especially transgender folks that uh, are coming in, and, and we want them to be uh, comfortable and know that we support them. And, 
and, and we want everybody, and they push this idea that everybody, their way is respected. Their way is, we, we want them to know that nobody's, everybody's okay here, that we're not going to put anybody down who, if you believe different or you have a, a perspective, we want you to feel welcomed and comforted. And they started handing out T-shirts. We want you to wear this uh, a Lady Gaga T-shirt that says, Born This Way Foundation. And this one that was talking to me said, I said, no, thank you. And all of a sudden, they began to attack them and tear them down. And he said, now, wait a minute. You stood there all that time and said, everybody can have their perspective. I didn't tear you down. I didn't put you down. I didn't say you're wrong. I just said, I don't want your shirt. And now you're attacking me. What happened to that? Everybody's okay. It's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. People that say everybody's right. Well, you know what? Everybody's got a perspective. My perspective is that sin is wrong. How's my perspective? And you're saying, no, that doesn't work. You can't judge anybody. You can't, you can't make that judgment. And if you make that judgment, you're wrong. <laughs> Have you just judged me? The one that says you can't judge it all. Now I'm wrong because I'm saying that God's perspective is true. Can I tell you, it is controversial in this day more than anything. Uh, years ago, I had a, uh, a young man that I was talking to that was in high school, and he was just very, very zealous for, for witnessing. And, and I might have told you this before. We would talk a lot and talk about truth. And, and, and he, uh, he went to college and Weeks and maybe months later, I got to talk to him, sat down with him. And I said, how has it been? And he said, it's very different than what I expected. He said, I went to college and I, I stand my ground. I tell people what I believe. And I don't get persecuted. And he said, I thought for sure I would be hated. But the idea is, hey, you do you. That's good for you. And we respect what you... It's a way. It's just not good for me. Can I tell you what makes the difference in our lives? What makes the di- made the difference in my life is the day I said, God, I'm not God. You are. I'm not making the decision. If I see it differently than what your Bible says, your Bible's right and I'm wrong. I don't believe in a pope. And I'm not just talking about the one over there in the Vatican. I'm talking about anybody that says, you know what, my way is right. No, God's way is right. The Word is right. He said, I am the way. We've got to be solid on the understanding that not every tradition, not every denomination, not every idea or opinion is equal. Amen. There's got to be a foundation. There's got to be what we call an absolute that's God's will. This is the, the, the argument breaker. What's God's word say about it? Say, well, let's agree to disagree. Let's agree that God's right. And every man is a liar. That denies what God has said. Amen. He said, I am the way. Not a way. It doesn't matter what. How long people, I've, I've talked to people and, and they've said, well, this, denom- this is the church I go to. This is what they believe. What does that have to do with it? This church goes back to, 
uh, Martin Luther as a Lutheran. It goes back to John Wesley for the Methodists. It goes back to uh, John Calvin for the Presbyterians founded on this date. And then they want to turn around and say, well, you know, the Pentecostals, they were, they've just been around since the 1900s. Absolutely not. It's the Bible. Amen. What I go back to is not a movement. It's a scripture. Amen. It's the way. You've got to get yourself an understanding that it's not about nice folks. It's not about kind folks. It's not about good folks. It's about truth. The way is Jesus. A lot of nice folks I've met. A lot of good people I've met. As far as good goes, there's none good but God. I understand that. But folks that are decent, can I say it that way? But they're not Jesus. I love the line of of the song, The Solid Rock. It says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I recognize in that the sweetest frame, it might be the one looking at me in the mirror. It might be the people in my home, my wife, my children. It might be somebody that I want to say, you know what, your way matters to me. But when it comes next to Jesus, nothing. It comes down to what Jesus said so black and white. you got to love me and hate it all, everything else. If you get that, it's not that you're walking around with hatred towards people, towards loved ones, towards family members. It's just that I love God's will and God's way so much more that it's that black and white. The love that you have for God outshines your love for, for self, for friends, for family. Because He is going to save you. And there's nothing else that's going to float on that day. There was one ark. Hello? You couldn't grab onto a bar board. You couldn't cut out a canoe. God made one ark. You get in that and you're saved. That's the way. Amen. But not a lot of people are getting in it. Didn't change it. But not a lot of people agreed with, with Noah. Didn't change it. God made a way. Amen. You know, it's interesting when Jesus said, you'll see this through the book of Acts. We, we've got a lot here, and I've already taken a lot of more time in this beginning part of this Bible study that I expected. But when Jesus said, I am the way, you'll see in, um, in the book of Acts several places where I'll talk about people of that way. They, they, the, the enemies of the church, the enemies of the first church would call them the people of the way. It was just something that was picked up, and you'll see that historically as well as several places in the book of Acts, that they were sometimes referred to as people of the way because Jesus is the way. It's so important that we understand that. I know. I know. We see it, and we can talk about the extreme cases of people that say, oh, you can believe whatever you want to believe, and it's okay. And, and we know that's wrong, this perversion and that we talked about with uh, uh, you know, the genders and being so mixed. And we stood against that for, for many, many, many decades before it's become so foolish. And we say, no, that's not the way it is. But yet it creeps in. It creeps in. To, to the church where people are looking and say, well, maybe, that's, maybe they're okay. And listen, there is a way, and Jesus is the way. Amen. He said, I am the way. Let's look at this next phrase he uses. I am the truth. 
Turn with me to John 18. This is about Jesus tonight. Amen. It's always about him. John 18. In his trial, Jesus is standing before Pilate. He has been beaten. He has been humiliated. John 18.33, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Are you asking me because you really have an honest heart and want to know the truth? Or is this something you've heard about me and just some kind of mockery of, of a question? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus saw it was politics. Pilate wasn't upset that he had broken any laws, and he hadn't. But he was being tried because of pressure from the Jews saying that if you don't put him out, you're no friend of Caesar. So he begins to stand up and say, okay, let's hear about your crimes. He says, are you really concerned about this, or is this something somebody else has put into your mind? Gets to the root of it, doesn't he? What hast thou done? He's already been beaten. He's already been humiliated. And here's the law saying, what did you do? Do you see how foolish this all is? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. My serv- then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. I'm here standing in defense of truth. And he says, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? What an incredibly sad statement. I see it all around me. I see people struggling in the dark, confused. What is truth? I don't think this is a statement that he's saying, please tell me what is the truth. But he says, what is truth? He had no concept, no foundation under his feet of of an absolute truth. He realized this. Any man that could be close at all to a Caesar that is worshipped as God, he would have his head cut off, he'd say any different, but if you could get him in a place and say, listen, nothing you say is going to stand against you. Tell me what you think of Caesar. He's no God. He's just a man like me. He is the Caesars of that day were so full of power, they were perverse and they were twisted in their minds. To have in man the ability to be worshipped as a god, it just would totally, they say absolute power corrupts absolutely. Have you ever heard that? That's what would happen. These people were madmen and they demanded worship. They sent people to their death in the Colosseums, the bloodlust that was so common in that day of just watching the gladiators, the barbarians, and, and all these people uh, fight to the death. And he knew that he wasn't a god. He knew that all the 
the, the, the Roman gods, Zeus and, and Apollo and all these, they knew that was all fake. They, what is truth? I believe one of the reasons this world is so, so twisted and mixed up, they have no concept. They've lost hope that there is truth. They've not been told that there is truth. That's why I try to tell people so often, listen, when you're that, that longing in your heart to know God, that, that drawing of the Lord when, when all the party is over and all the fun is done and you're empty and you're lonely and you're sad and, and, and there's something knocking on you, that's Jesus telling you there is truth. Because this world has lost the concept of having, they look at churches and they say, oh, you're just part of that whole big deal. Pick your flavor of what you want to believe. And, and, and on and on and on they see it in this world. But this is what Pilate says, what is truth? Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Look what it says in John, back up in John 17. John 17, verse 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Thank God that there is joy in having the truth. I have given given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Jesus is praying. I gave them the word, and the world hates them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. That's what the prayer is. I'm not pulling you out of the world. I'm just going to give you strength to keep you. You can stay saved if you keep your eyes on Jesus. Even in this generation. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. You'd say cleanse them or make them holy through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Somebody say the truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for thy sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Jesus is the truth. What does that mean to you? It it means that every other opinion, every other idea, it's measured. You You know, maybe some of you. Praise God. I imagine some of you are pretty good at just eyeballing things. How, how long is that? Well, that's, uh, uh, you know, 33 inches. You're probably pretty good at that. About how, how long? Just cut that off at an inch. Zip, you got it. But you don't argue with the tape measure. That's the absolute. What you think might be. And what would happen if you say, I got it. Three inches. Zip. And I say, well, let's just double check that before we start nailing it somewhere. Yeah, you're off a little bit. Nope tapes off huh yeah no i said it's three inches it's three inches right that's not how it works there's an argument breaker there's an absolute well praise god this is what i think you know that, that you might be able to get away with it if you want to live in a house that's kind of a little wonky Well, let's go to the bank and do that. Well, this is what I think the answer is. What's the calculator say? Well, we don't use those around here. It's my opinion that you don't have enough in your bank account. I don't want your opinion. I want the facts. Right? 
Well, math is kind of like that. Kind of like, you know, measuring things. We can agree to disagree. No. We're not agreeing to disagree over how much is in my bank account. Amen. Well, this is how I see it. Not really concerned about having, not really interested in having that conversation, right? It, it, we're just going to add it all up on, a, on that adding machine. Amen. And there are laws that, uh, that make those numbers go a certain way. And your opinion on that does not matter. People think truth, <coughs> excuse me, they think God's word is like that. We got a good church, a good folks, and, and this has been around since maybe the, the 1500s. We believed it as long in that way. Grandma, man, don't tell me grandma's wrong. She was awesome. I understand that. What's the Bible say? I've believed this all my life this way. That doesn't matter. No offense. But the same person that would say, measure that board. Add that up in your calculator. It's usually the same person that says, well, this is what I think about getting to heaven. You know, my opinion has always been that if you can, you know, really try really hard and you're very sincere, sincerity doesn't make the board three inches. Sincerity doesn't make the numbers add to your liking. Sincerity doesn't. The bottom line is Jesus is the truth. The truth is what God said. He is. I've landed on this many, many times over my life, that when it's all said and done and all the smoke clears, it's his world. And I'm going to stand in front of him, and he's going to be the one that says, pass or fail. Amen. Whether I like the way I'm going or not, whether I'm enjoying the ride has really little to do with it some days. i got to just be faithful to the truth. This is what God said. This is who he is. Amen. The truth means he's the standard. The truth means he's the absolute. The truth means that scriptures like let all men be liars and let God be true. Let God be true. Amen. Though an angel, Paul said, or we ourselves come and preach any other gospel. You know what he said? Well, just, you know, understand they're doing their best. Let him be accursed. That's black and white. That's black and white. When you get the idea that, hey, I've got to have my life built upon the principles of God's word. Amen. The foundation is truth. Truth is what Jesus said. Amen. There's a lot of times people are don't understand. There's, there's things that happen in life. And life happens in church. That... I'm not having the time of my life. I'm not enjoying a lot. But there are principles that we're setting upon. Amen. The principles might not just be, hey, the Bible says this is... It might be the principle of, you know what? There's somebody who's doing poorly. And we're going to try to uphold them and help them and reach out to them and be patient with them. There might be the principle that I can tell you in the Bible is there over and over and over again. Amen. Things that we deal with are on principles, a foundation that sometimes I'm not maybe excited about, but hey, I believe it's about Jesus would do it because he's the truth. 
He's the truth. The truth is a foundation. It's the principles of God's Word. The principles of God's, God's holy Word that get translated, can I say, into practical action every day. Amen. And you need to be able to say, hey, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm living for Jesus. Amen. He's the truth. Somebody say, He's the truth. He's the way. He's the truth. He is the what? I knew that. I have it right here. The life. We read this so many times recently, it seems. Maybe so many times just for as long as I can remember. John 10, we read here in this study, says, verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh, verse 10, not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have what? And that they might have it what? More abundantly. Life. He's eternal life. But he's abundant life. Amen? He is a light. He is a way to heaven, a way to glory, and a way to an abundant life. I'm not telling you, like a lot of these prosperity preachers, that everything's going to go your way once you live for God. Read your Bibles. I talked about Jeremiah the other day being thrown into a mud pit. On and on, I can tell you about trouble. Paul lived for God. He, he suffered. The Lord told him when he first got converted. Let me tell you about all the things you're going to suffer living for Jesus. But he was willing. He said, I, I, I fought a good fight. I'm willing, praise God, to, to lay down my life for this. I'm willing to die for this. See, when you've got those principles, when you've got the, the way and the truth, it's a life that counts for much more than just a life that is my will, my pleasure. That's empty. When you've got a life that is built on on principles of truth, it's a blessed life. There's something fulfilling. When people hate you, you can still have joy. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. But I feel good about the fact that i got a friend like Jesus. People that love truth are going to love you. Amen. You're going to have friends, but it's friends that are going to love truth. Amen. But listen to me now. It's a life that is a life that is not only eternal life, heaven. There's not going to be any separation. There's not going to be any hell in your future. But it's also a life that is fulfilled, satisfied. He is the life because he is, he is that abundant life that you have more than just getting through this life, getting and taking. and What a sad life that is. But the Bible talks about a, a person who is given over to pleasure is dead while they still live. You know that? People are miserable because all they know how to do is take. They're selfish. Bible talks about it, about it, lovers of their own selves more than lovers of God. Amen. But he said, I've come to give you an abundant life. I've come to bless you. It's a blessing to live for God. We suffer persecution. We suffer hardships. We go through valleys, storms, battles. We got a lot of words for bad things. But God gives us life. Amen. God gives us life. Because while they're out having their time. There's no peace. 
while they may have the pleasure of sin for a season. Oh, we don't deny there's pleasure in sin. That's why temptation is tempting. But they don't have joy. Mm -mm. No. There may be a lot of relationships and a lot of lust and people using people and people getting used to just leaning on one another, but real love that looks out for your best. I've told people already, you love them. Don't help them go to hell. Don't help them be lost. Some of the neatest stories I've ever heard talking about courtship and dating. People that said, you know what? I don't know how I could ever live without you. But if I'm not the best for you, I want the best for you because I love you. And I'm willing to back off. I'm willing to stop and pray about this. And I'm willing to give you up for your best if there's somebody better for God's will in your life. That's caring about people. Not I want you at all costs. And if it sends you to hell and causes you to do worse, that's not love. That's using people. A love that says, I'm willing to let God be first in your life. We've said this from the beginning of our marriage. I've said it about my wife countless times, that she loves Jesus much more than she loves me, and that's what makes this work. I'm not jealous of that. I'm excited about that. Because that's what enhances our our lives, that God is first. And that anything that I would do, listen now, if there's, this is awesome. Anything that I would try to persuade her as her husband and the head of our home, if I would try to persuade her to, to do something contrary to God's will, she wouldn't do it. And would have no problem saying no, because God is first. And there's no, that, that's how our lives are. Living for Jesus. Amen? He's the truth. He's the life. Amen. So let's just take a little bit more time and talk about how we... What does it mean to be on this way? What's it mean to be on the way? The narrow way we talked about. Amen? What's it mean? How do we... He said, I am the way. So he is the way to life. He's the way to eternal life. How do we walk on this way? Well, number one, can I say through his word? You cannot say you love God and not follow his word. Amen? Luke 6, verse 46. Listen to what Jesus said. You love him? You love him with all your heart? You, you want to spend eternity? You don't want to be lost? You want to get to heaven and be with him? Luke 6, verse 46 says, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? It would be pretty harsh, I guess, and hard for people to recognize, realize, just accept, let me say, if we're just having a conversation. But to say that you love the Lord and don't obey him, somebody's not telling the truth. Jesus said, call me Lord, and don't, why would you call me Lord and not do the things I say? To be on the way, to be with Jesus and He is your way, means you're going to obey Him. You're going to submit to Him as the truth. That you're going to say, not my way, but thy will. Amen? 
you're going to say, I want your will to be done. Amen. So to be on the way is to say, your word is right. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. So you can spend every day, all day, for the rest of your life telling me he's your Lord. But when you see him, he's going to say, did you do what I said? Then I wasn't your Lord. People don't get that. And I, I, I've used this sometimes on some very basic salvation message teaching that probably a majority of denominational churches of this day will say you've got to accept him as your Lord or you have to love him. Okay, well, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? So let's define these words. You say, I love him because, oh, he's just, oh, he's God, right? And I sing songs about him, and they're just so beautiful. Do you do what he says? Oh, don't change the subject. I love him. Jesus said, that is a subject. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Oh, he's my Lord. I confess him as Lord. Lord means he's in charge. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? Lord means he's your king. Means he's in charge. You don't say, Lord, today, here's what I want you to do for me. Say, Lord, what's your will? Amen? That just makes you not a hypocrite. Because you love him and he's your Lord, that means you obey him. When he says, repent of your sins, you turn away from sin and turn to him. Because he's your Lord and you love him, so you obey him. And his commandments are not grievous. Whosoever cometh unto me, verse 47, and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood rose and the stream beat vehemently against upon that house, he could not and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. How do you get your life on a rock that it can't be shaken by the storms of life? Obey the word. Do truth. Right? But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation, built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. How do I get on the way? How do I follow the way? How is, does Jesus become my way, the way? Number one, it's got to be the Word. His Word matters. His Word is truth. Hallelujah. Number two, Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Hebrews 9, verse 7. Some pretty deep teaching taking the Old Testament and pointing to Jesus through it. But let's just look at this. Hebrews 9, 7. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year. He's talking about that tabernacle worship. The high priest goes in to the Holy of Holies only once a year not without blood. He goes in and offers blood in the tabernacle behind the veil in the Holy of Holies, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this, this signifying, this is pointing to something. The Holy Ghost is showing something through that, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Everybody couldn't do that. It was just once a year, the high priest, and he had to have the blood, real, literal, physical animal blood 
So what's he saying? We can't all get into that holy place. That's what the Holy Ghost is trying to show you. That somehow something had to happen so we could get there. Into the presence of God. The Holy Ghost is signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. While as the first tabernacle was yet standing. Which was a figure. A symbol really for a time then present. In which were both all offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Get that? I go in, I, I can't, I, I'm a sinner. I need God to cleanse my heart of a guilty conscience. I'm guilty before God. I can't have liberty in his presence. I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. That priest going in there once a year behind the veil with the blood doesn't do anything for my guilty conscience. Something had to happen supernaturally, spiritually. That's what happened when Jesus died. Let's look ahead a little bit. Which stood only in meats and drinks, divers, washings. It's all about the Old Testament, keeping the law. Carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building listen neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us what's he saying he's saying that through the cross we enter into the way the way was not made manifest I can't get into the holy presence of God. I can't get into His Spirit. I can't come before Him and have that fellowship. 